0: absolutely anybody could be like mary be like mary log on to jumbocasino.com and play for free now no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner
1: this podcast contains adult themes and language and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners in this podcast we discuss sexual assault torture race and murder listener discretion is advised
2: Welcome to Fruit Loops episode 8. Bienvenidos, bitches, and thank you so much for listening. (laughs) Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we don't hear or know much about contrary to popular belief not all serial killers are straight cisgender white dudes no (laughs) there are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color and fruit loops is a podcast all about them we will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist
1: also, our website is fruitloopspod.com, and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all of our social media. Join the discussion by using the hashtag Fruit Loops Pod discussion, or by joining our Facebook group. All of the footnotes for each episode can be found on our website. And if you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on
2: the Camp Cash App. Just Google Fruit Loops Pod Cash App, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. We also have merch for sale on our website, but if you can't help monetarily, no problem, you can always give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And be sure to share our show with your friends. So, who are
1: we talking about today, Beth? Today we're talking about Linwood Briley, James Briley Jr., and Anthony Ray Briley, three brothers who went on a seven-month killing spree in their hometown of Richmond, Virginia in 1979. This subject was suggested to us by Nikki on Instagram, and and Kanishia on Twitter.
2: Hey, thanks, y'all. Yeah, um, but before we get
1: into the story
2: that includes the stats and the setting and the killer's early life, all the fun things, how you doing?
1: I'm okay. Uh, COVID's hitting a little closer to home. Uh-oh. A friend and some neighbors have had it. My my coworker was sent home to quarantine because she was notified that her friend probably has it. And they were together on the 4th of July. So uh, she was told by HR that she needed to get her ass out of there.
2: (laughs) Oh, my lanta.
1: Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And my daughter's husband was also sent home to quarantine because one of his coworkers has it. And uh, my daughter, her husband, and my grandson got tested. And so far, they're negative, but they're still on quarantine.
2: Oh, my God. What a yeah. nightmare. This is, yeah, it's, it's, oh, look alive, guys. It is, the Rona is out there. It's
1: crazy, Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, things are not looking up for us here in Arizona. Um, and it's kind of a shame. Like, I'm watching the news, like, New York's on their phase three of right. reopening that means phase four starts and Wendy Williams can go back to the studio and start recording anyway. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, we're um, rolling back. Yeah. At least, well,
1: not our state because our governor is a, an idiot, but, um, our, our company is going back to what they were doing, uh, when, the state was locked down so
2: yeah um which was a relief to my family to be honest my my yeah. old whitey was uh not happy um that you were having to go. not in. only were people walking on his lawn the his <laughs> wife had to go into the office so yeah. yeah yeah
1: I I was happy too because the coworker that got sent home on quarantine um I knew that she had gone out for fourth of July so I was a little anxious about that and uh so yeah yeah I I had I hadn't seen I haven't seen her since before 4th of July so I'm in the clear hopefully
2: Um, fingers crossed that I am too.
1: So far, still
2: standing, uh, ran a few miles to make sure my lungs still work. So, (laughs) but I am not going to be getting tested. Have you seen those lines?
1: The lines are crazy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They're a good reason not to get tested. Plus also, (laughs) um, like what if you are, what if you do have it, then you have to notify your employer, right? And then, yeah um, you know, everybody, you, and you have to quarantine yourself and everybody. It's just, um, yeah, this COVID is really doing a
1: number on everybody. And
2: I'll see see you all in 2022. (laughs)
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Our coworker said it's like an STD, you know, you have to inform everybody you've been around.
2: (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Oh man. Well, uh add add the whole world to the prayer list how about that yeah yeah so, good idea yeah so now we are going to get into some listener letters
1: well hello angels thank you <laughs> <laughs> what's in the bag beth So this is an older one that we overlooked, posted by Zoe on Facebook. And she said, I'm catching up on the podcast and have listened to season two, episode one, Takahiro Shirashi, the Twitter killer. I did scroll back to see if I could find a discussion about it. But I'll be honest, after about 40 scrolls, I gave up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do a search next time.
1: (laughs) She said, I'll never be a serial killer. It's way too energetic for me. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) So many things about this one I appreciated. And had I not been driving while listening, I would have grabbed a notebook like Yvette Nicole Brown on Talking Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I had no idea on the background and history around suicide in Japan, the suicide forest, the suicide rate, all very, very sad. Also, many lighter moments in the podcast. The bag of dick song needs to be given its own special award. <laughs> I forgot about that. Song. <laughs> the Halloween story has been etched in the part of my brain that holds all the what the fuck data. And every time Beth laughs, it makes me think of those times when an afterwork cocktail with your gal pals in the summer is about to take a turn for the messy, and you end up salsa dancing at 4 a.m., oh thinking you look like one of the pro dancers Dancers on Dancing with the Stars. (laughs) Thanks for thinking that. (laughs) 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 And Dancing with the Stars is strictly come dancing for her fellow Europeans. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, she says, thank you, ladies. You're filling my life with joy, facts, and some crazy true crime. P.S. I did a quick search to see if sentencing had been passed, but couldn't find anything. Does anyone know what happened at the trial? So she's talking about... uh, Takahiro Shiriashi, and uh, as of November 2019, the trial is still expected to be a ways off. Mm. The pre-trial process began in April of 2019, and there have been five uh, sessions. The mm-hmm. last one was on October 28th, 2019. And according to an article that I found in Japan Times earlier in October, Shiriashi granted a request for an interview at the Tachikawa. A detention house where he was being held unshaven with his hair down to his chest wow. shirt demanded money in return for answering questions about the case wow. including his motives and uh, he said i'll tell you if you take care of me oh but he did respond to some small talk and he said i'm doing weight training to relieve the boredom i'm oh. fine he said with a smile <laughs>
2: Wow. Well, hip-hop air horns for that uh, wonderful, wonderful letter. Um, yeah. Let me give you another one because that one was kind of fun. And uh, we got some Cash App support as well as a new patron. So um, don't judge me, but here goes. Uh, so this one is for Jennifer. Jen L.R. Boone Jen Boone when it happens And no one else was in the room When it happens Jennifer L.R. Boone What did they say to you to get you to sell Fruit Loops down the river <laughs> <laughs> uh, And then uh, Jake uh, Jkel5 uh, Also gave us a nice Donation on uh, the Cash App So here goes All right the I want to do with you. The jailer, the and I hope you love to cry, too. <laughs> 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 so, thank you. And then, also, we got a new patron named Tanya. Uh, so get ready, okay. My daddy Alabama, Mama Louisiana, you mix that Negro with that Creole Make a Texas Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> do i know if she's uh black or not do not do i know if she's from texas or not do not don't care but here come your hip-hop air horns all of you yeah thank you we just care about the support and appreciate you all very very much so now we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna dive into the story when we come back I'm Kiera. And I'm JV. And we're the hosts of Crime and Color, a true crime podcast that focuses on people of color. This podcast isn't only about serial killers or murderers, but it's also about forgotten victims who never got their stories told, people who survived impossible odds, the wrongfully convicted, as well as the monsters you may not have heard about. Every week, J.B. and I share with you an interesting case that has caught our attention in a hope to bring awareness to their stories or just share something unbelievable with a bit of witty commentary.
0: <laughs> you can check out Crime and Color on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. And if you're feeling chatty, you can talk to us on Twitter as well, at Crime and Color.
1: Thanks for tuning
2: in. All right, and we're back. So...
1: Who's our subject today, Beth? Today we're talking about the Briley brothers, Linwood, James Jr., and Ray, three brothers who went on a seven-month killing spree in their hometown of Richmond, Virginia, in 1979.
2: All right, now we're going to get into the stats. <laughs> Brr- All right. Linwood Earl, James Dyrall, and Anthony Ray Briley, a.k.a. the Briley Brothers, were siblings who were responsible for a seven-month murder, rape, and robbery spree that took place in Richmond, Virginia, in 1979. They were joined by their 16-year-old neighbor, Duncan Eric Meekins. Um, By the time they were caught, there were 11 murder victims, um... 12, if you count the newborn baby or the unborn baby, I, right. I thought, and I guess at the time that wasn't a hot button issue, so maybe they wouldn't have done that but anyway um investigators believe that the brothers were involved in as many as 20 other crimes uh the victims were black white old young male female rich poor didn't matter um the victims were 15 57 year old orlean christian well william and virginia butcher were victims of robbery and kidnapping but they were they survived um attempted murder um uh, mike michael mcduffie uh 76-year-old Mary Gowen, uh, DJ John Johnny G. Gallagher, uh, 62-year-old private nurse Mary Wilfong, 79-year-old Blanche Page, and her 59-year-old border, I believe that means housemate. Uh, it meant he rented a room from her. Yeah, um, but, it's, but border sounded weird. So he lived in a room in her house.
1: Yeah, she uh, owned the house. She was basically his landlord. Um, and rented out a room to him, which is something that was a lot more common years and years and years ago, but uh, yeah, that's what that means.
2: Uh, might be more common now that the economy is tanking and everybody yeah, taking a is dump corona. yeah <laughs> um, Charles Gardner was the house the the, the border the border in uh, Blanche Page's home uh, and then uh Harvey Wilkerson and his 23-year-old wife, Judy Diane Barton, who was five months pregnant at the time, and her five-year-old son, Harvey Wayne Barton. Um, But wait, there's more. Uh, Linwood and James Briley were the ringleaders in a six-inmate escape from Virginia's death row at Mecklenburg Correctional Center in 1984. They were on the lam for three weeks, and it is the biggest inmate escape in U.S. history. So um, now we're going to get into the setting and lay out the story. Story for you. Take us there, Beth.
1: So the setting is Richmond, Virginia in the 1970s. Virginia was named for England's Virgin Queen, Elizabeth I, and is known as, quote, the birthplace of a nation. Hmm. Jamestown, the first of the original 13 colonies, was founded for the purpose of silk cultivation. After blight fungus destroyed the mulberry trees, where the uh, silkworm lived, I guess, mm-hmm. suriculturists planted tobacco as a cash crop. Tobacco is a labor-intensive
2: crop, and demand for it in England and Europe led to an increase in in the importation of African enslaved people to the colony. Um, By the way, though, I learned that before the slave trade started, I watched this documentary on PBS called African Americans, that there were several Black um, people who came from across the Atlantic um, who were landowners, um, businessmen who helped conquistadors, um, but we don't hear
1: about them. No. Um,
2: but anyway, then comes the slave trade, the transatlantic slave trade. And by the mid-18th mid century, there were about
1: 145,000 enslaved people in the Chesapeake Bay region. Arlington County was originally part of the 10-mile square parcel of land surveyed in 1791 to be part of Washington, D.C. The U.S. Congress returned that portion of the land to the Commonwealth of Virginia following a referendum among its citizens. The present state capital in Richmond was also the capital of the Confederacy.
2: Yeah. Remember the Confederacy that only lasted for five years, but got their own flag that is uh, celebrated by people all (laughs) over the country, but they lost and were traitors. Traitors. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine celebrating somebody who like was dope? for just five years or not you even know, dope <laughs> not even dope yeah like, so, It'd be I like
1: do you do you see any uh Hitler statues around Germany no no <laughs> no but here we go Confederacy yeah. um go.
2: yeah uh so slavery ended in 18th oh, by the way I heard another really good podcast today about because Mississippi just is the last state to take the Confederate flag off of a little corner of their flag. And it talked about the history of the Confederate flag in Mississippi. And they played snippets of like community and um, legislative bodies debating the issue of the Confederate flag. And one guy was like, the Confederate flag is like my, my wife. Oh, geez. He goes, I love her, but I'll beat your ass for her or something like like something crazy like that yeah um and i was like it was it was crazy anyway i can't remember the name of it so let's move on slavery ended in 1865 and reconstruction immediately followed and due to white terror and violence reconstruction ended in 1877 and Black people knew that this little taste of freedom and equality was coming to an end. So after, the black, after that, the Black Codes and Jim Crow laws enforced in Southern states targeted discrimination against Black people up until some would say the 1950s, I would say far beyond that. Um, they included vagrancy laws, which made it a crime to be unemployed or just walk around being Yikes. Black. Uh, black people were, and again, I would argue our state. Still suppressed from living, working, and studying, and uh, they had to create their own safe havens, little little communities of their own.
1: Right. So, uh, if you remember FDR's New Deal, part of which included policy to make home ownership easier for Americans, that policy was managed by the FHA, and they decided to give more loans to green areas and almost no loans to red areas. Huh. Guess who lived in the red areas?
2: <laughs> um, ding, ding, ding!
1: <laughs> you will take black people for a thousand. <laughs> redlining was a decision to color code certain areas sometimes simply based on the fact that the areas were lived in by black and brown people and this process continues to this day
2: that is a hundred percent true check out reveal podcasts about it the maps are still um, in use and if you have african-american on your loan application for a home, sometimes you can't get it and the bank won't tell you why, but we know why. um so anyway jackson ward is a historically african-american district in richmond virginia with a long tradition of african-american businesses that's dope it is located less than a mile from virginia state capitol it was listed as a national historic landmark in 1978 jackson ward was also home to maggie l walker the first female bank president Uh, she founded consolidated bank and trust the oldest surviving black operated bank in the United States, whose main branch is still located in Jackson Ward on First and Marshall Streets.
1: That's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Richmond in the 1970s was a mix of middle class and lower middle class neighborhoods. But like a lot of other cities during that time, it had a lot of crime. It was and still is a segregated city. There was a black side and a white side due to the centuries of systematically discriminating against an entire race of people, which has led to lots of negative consequences.
2: Yeah. What you thought? What did you all think was going to happen? Maps of the city of Richmond and East Highland Park appeared to me when I looked at it to show that the northeast where the Bridleys lived uh, and the east and south side of the city are mostly black. And those... Those at the levers of power often glaze over or just flat out refuse to acknowledge the conditions that black people were forced into, um, basically keeping them from housing, academic and economic opportunities. So now we are going to dive into the killer's early life. What do you
1: got, Beth? The Briley family lived in a nice two-story home located on 4th Avenue in a working-class neighborhood in downtown Richmond, about two miles northeast of Jackson Ward. James Briley Sr. worked for School Street Concrete Block Factory and Bertha, who has been described as an exceptionally sweet woman, worked at Virginia Union University in the cafeteria.
2: Linwood Earl Briley was born in 1954. James Daryl Briley Jr. aka JB was born about 18 months later in 1956 followed by their youngest and last child, Anthony Ray Briley in 1958. One source mentioned a fourth Briley brother born before Linwood, who was an adult by the time the other three came along, but we haven't been able to
1: corroborate that information. Right. So it could be, but we don't know. Yeah. Neighbors liked the Brileys and thought of the Briley brothers as polite and helpful because the boys would often lend a hand to some of the senior neighbors and they cleaned their yards but their schoolmates had a different opinion. To them, the Briley brothers were bullies. The brothers harassed the other kids and seemed indifferent towards adult authority. They tended to ignore whatever punishment that was handed out by a teacher or principal. When the
2: boys reached their teenage teenage years, the couple had difficulty balancing their busy work schedules with raising three boys. Can you imagine? Uh, <laughs> Bertha worked during the day and James worked at night, so the boys were often left to their own devices, as their parents were either working or sleeping. Bertha tried to control them, but the boys usually ignored her. The boys had a couple of hobbies.
1: For pets, they kept tarantulas, piranhas, and boa constrictors, and rumors around the neighborhood said that they engaged in animal torture, killing neighborhood cats and dogs, and that Linwood had actually choked a kitten to death. Oh my. They enjoyed feeding mice to the snakes and watching the snakes eat them. They also habitually cut and saved newspaper stories about crimes, including murders and gang activity.
2: By the way... um My explore page on Instagram is all kinds of fucked up, (laughs) Um, but uh, on my explore page, uh, I do love reptiles, um, and I get a lot of videos of people feeding their snakes or their lizards, and most of the time, people feed frozen like mice, but sometimes the snakes won't eat it, so you have to give them a live one. Right. Um, and there is something really captivating about seeing like a predator, um, like stalk its prey and then just snatch it up real quick. Um, I'll
1: take your word for it because yeah, I don't like yeah, it. just trust <laughs> me on this.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, so. Anyway, I've never killed anybody, so I'm just saying I can understand the fascination. Um, Anyway, they developed a reputation as rowdy and disruptive troublemakers, vandals and petty thieves. The brothers were unusually close. Linwood was the leader, charismatic, intelligent, and street smart. Deborah Wyatt, Linwood's defense attorney, said that Linwood was not unenjoyable to be around uh, which is a really interesting way to describe your relationship with a person james was a follower with a short fuse who did anything linwood told him to do and anthony idolized both of his older brothers going along with whatever so he could just be a part of the group put me in guys
1: Bertha and James eventually split up and she moved away. The split was apparently amicable and without drama, but had a lot to do with Bertha's feeling that James was not doing enough to discipline and control the boys. It was also during this time that James Sr. became concerned about how Linwood was acting and the influence that he had over the other boys. He began to actually fear his sons and started locking his bedroom door at night from the inside with a deadbolt.
2: Um I have a lot of con- like my heart just dropped. Uh yeah. that is that was to me the creepiest part. Well, maybe not. This is a very creepy story, but one of the creepiest parts of this entire story. So Yeah. James Sr. later said that the boys' wildness drove their mother out of the house, but he could not point to anything that would have caused their behavior. He said that Linwood was practically a genius, and to many, Linwood was considered the most intelligent of the three brothers.
1: Linwood had a sort of magnetism and was the leader of the group, and people were afraid of James, or JB, because he could be so volatile. At some point, nobody is sure when, Something changed to foster the boy's lack of empathy.
2: Sure did. Wish I knew what it was. But there are a yeah. couple of Duncan Meekins who we don't know very much about, but he lived at home with both of his parents, is my understanding. And he attended school and church and was an altar boy. Um, and that's all I knew. So now we're gonna dive into the timeline, get into the nitty gritty. Buckle up, get into some crimes. Okay, I hope you're ready.
1: <laughs> go, Beth. Here we go. <laughs> In 1971, Linwood, from the bedroom of his comfortable home, at age 16, looked through his bedroom window and aimed a 22 caliber rifle at Orline Christian, a neighbor who lived across the alley. At the time, she was hanging laundry on her clothesline. He fired one shot. And hit her in the armpit.
2: Now, at first, it was thought that the 57 year old Orlean had dropped dead from a heart attack. Newly widowed, she'd just buried her husband, so relatives thought "Mm, the stress might have caused her heart attack. Uh, But while her body was at the funeral home, about to go into the ground, a small entry wound was discovered. Somebody said, wait a minute and there's a hole there and an autopsy was ordered a bullet was found lodged in her back and a murder investigation was opened
1: investigators were able to determine that the bullet came from the briley home and it was really interesting how they figured that out the investigator cut a board about the same height as orline christian Mm-hmm. and um then he cut he drilled a hole in it from about uh the same trajectory that the bullet mm-hmm. went into mm-hmm. uh orline and then he went in the yard where she was standing and kind of looked through the hole and lo and behold there's uh Lynwood's window <laughs> oh my god
2: God, that's yeah. some
1: good police work. I don't say yeah. that often, but way and to That's go. old school, man. Yeah. <laughs> no lasers, no yeah. string or whatever yeah. they use. Yeah. yeah. That's Just a stuff. board with a hole in it. <laughs> 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 when investigators found Linwood and the murder weapon, he said, quote, I heard that she had heart problems. She was going to die soon anyway.
2: Oh, uh, come again? <laughs> yeah. Young man.
1: <laughs> in court Linwood was able to convince a judge that it was an accident. I think he said he was trying to shoot a squirrel or some birds or something.
2: Mm. And
1: he was only sentenced to 1 year in reform school.
2: Wow. Um in 1972 while Linwood was still in juvie, 16-year-old James attempted to rob a convenience store. Don't know why. uh, But the owner pulled a shotgun and James ran off. A police officer in the vicinity saw what was going on and chased after James. James shot at the police officer, hitting him in the arm. The officer returned fire, hitting James in the side.
1: James was convicted of robbery and malicious wounding. And I've read two different accounts. and, And this is kind of common for this story for some reason. There's like lots of different accounts of the things that happened. So um, when we we hit those parts, I'll I'll mention it. Okay. Anyway, uh, one account is that he was sent to juvie for a year, and the other is that he received a sentence of seven years in prison. Hmm. And since the killing spree that starts later starts in 1979, and another part of the story mentions James being on parole, I think it's likely that he did spend seven years in prison. And I think. Uh, At one point, uh, somebody confused him for Linwood, and so they said he got sent to Juvie for a year, which was Linwood's sentence, and then it was just repeated in other stories. I don't know this for sure, but that's just what I'm guessing.
2: Oh!
0: 3 a.m., the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, Glitches in the Matrix, cult leaders, missing 411, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship, and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3AM, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go.
2: Hello, this is Gary Chachot, welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and
3: wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we
2: are exactly that.
0: American Vigilante, now.
2: Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy.
1: There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps. But there's also BetterHelp online therapy. Now we are huge advocates for mental health here at Fruits HQ. Oh yes.
2: And we have both used therapy throughout our lives, including BetterHelp. And especially in these past several years to help us deal with challenging times, Mm -hmm. challenging thoughts, Feelings and experiences. Amen. Yes. And now I had a recent, you know, conversation with my therapist. She was saying sometimes it's just good to talk and get some perspective. You don't yeah. have to go to a therapist just because stuff is wrong. So
1: Right, right. And BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And some people get really anxious about that. So Oh, yes. And it is much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48
2: hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fruit. That's betterhelp.com slash fruit fruit. Did you know one out of six couples struggle with infertility, including Old Whitey and me? Seriously, that is a staggering statistic that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. We need good data and information about our
1: bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. Good data and information about our bodies is crucial when it comes to our body autonomies, especially in the year of our Lord 2022. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy, an affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000
2: but Modern Fertility gets you the same info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com fruit you can get $20 off your test.
1: Also, and this is really cool, mm. if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility.
2: Wow! That's amazing! Yeah. Now, if you want want kids today or in the future, never are undecided. It's important to have clinically sound information about your body, which can help you make the decision
1: that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash fruit. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash fruit. That's modernfertility.com slash fruit. Wow. We don't all look alike, people. (laughs) Um, Linwood, JB, whatever you know, they they look the same.
2: (laughs) Oh my god! I posted something on our um on our Instagram, and I can't remember who I can't remember who posted the original, but it definitely is a repost. I can't take credit for it, but it was like, what if the things white people said to people of color were were like used against them in the same way and one of them was like, oh, my gosh, you know who you look like? Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> and um, the white girl's like, what? <laughs> and, and the, 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 the person goes, oh, my God, they all look the same or something like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's dope. <laughs> uh, so anyway, by March of 1972, Linwood was back from juvie. Worse than ever, he lived at home with his father but would come and go as he pleased doing
1: whatever he wanted and his father could just not get control over him. At this time, Anthony was still in middle school and he was able to stay out of trouble and did not follow in his brother's footsteps. But as he became an adult, he saw Linwood with fancy clothes, nice cars and girlfriends Mm -hmm. and he admired his big brother and wanted to be a part of that action.
2: Oh yeah, and like the hell am I going to keep going to school for when yeah. this guy over here uh Is yeah everything he wants everything he wants and more so he joined Linwood in robbing and harassing drug dealers they were so feared by drug dealers and other gang members that when seen these people would run the other way <laughs> can also, you imagine no that's i mean they must <laughs> that, have been that says terrified. something that says a lot <laughs> yeah uh also i mean it's the 70s guys like Right. What is, I mean that that whole time is a really scary t- time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. No, no cameras. Um, n- rules are di- are different. The mentalities of people are different. Like people can get away with more. I mean, it's just. I wasn't around in the 70s, but I've seen movies and it looks (laughs) scary. Uh, Also enamored by the brothers' gangster lifestyle is their 15-year-old neighbor, Duncan Eric Meekins.
1: In March of 1979, the three Briley brothers formed a plan to do a series of random burglaries and home invasions. The brothers were joined by Duncan Meekins. The plan was that the group would get in and out fast and not leave any witnesses alive.
2: On March 12th, 1979, the Briley brothers and Meekins randomly selected the home of William and Virginia Butcher. Um, I heard one, one pronunciation of Booker, but that just doesn't sound right. Butcher.
1: I also uh, heard Butcher. So Butcher? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really sure. So we'll just say Butcher.
2: Okay. Virginia Butcher. Linwood walked up to the door and knocked. The Butchers thought that it may have been the paperboy coming to, to collect money. When William opened the door, Linwood said his car had broken down and asked if he could use Butcher's phone.
1: William said that he'd be glad to call AAA for him and ask for his AAA card. But when Linwood produced a card and William opened the screen door to take it, Linwood pushed his way into the home, grabbed Mr. Butcher, putting a gun to his head and a knife to his throat. Wow. Linwood told Virginia to be quiet or they would cut off her husband's ear. Linwood then signaled for the others to come in, and the Butchers were forced face down, and their hands were tied behind their backs. William Butcher believes the person who tied him up was Meekins because he seemed especially
2: young and green, like he didn't know what he was doing. Butcher kept telling him not to tie the rope too tight because it would hurt, and Meekins obeyed,
1: a fact that probably saved this man and his wife's lives. The gang ransacked the house and took a CB radio, jewelry, a thirty-two caliber handgun, a police scanner, two TVs, and the couple's car. Lighter fluid was spread throughout the house and onto the victims, and the place was lit on fire.
2: I listened to an audiobook about this case, oh, okay. and I thought they said CD radio. Like, oh, maybe they no. had a... Maybe they had an early version of a CD player, and it must <laughs> no. have been so valuable. What is a CB radio?
1: A CB radio is like the radios that truckers use to talk to each other. Oh, okay. okay. They were really popular in the 70s. Oh. You probably don't remember. There There was a movie, Convoy. Convoy. <laughs> Convoys okay. about truckers.
2: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sounds yeah. really exciting. I'll rent it <laughs> from Blockbuster. I'll wait.
1: <laughs> it's terrible, but yeah, the CB radios were really pop. We actually we used to use walkie talkies and we would pretend like we were talking on CB radios. We had handles and everything. Yeah.
2: <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I I was like wow.
1: I really thought they said CD in the audiobook.
2: Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> Mr. Butcher later said, "When my wife said they'd gone, I started wiggling my hands, getting them out. A smoke and flames filled the house. He freed his hands and feet, then ran to the kitchen to grab a knife, cut his wife loose, and they managed to get outside. They are the only known victims of the Briley brothers who have survived."
1: On March 21st, 1979, Michael W. McDuffie, a vending machine servicer, was chilling at home. By this time, Linwood was 24, James Jr. was 22, Anthony was 20, and Meekins was 16. The Brileys broke into McDuffie's house, robbed, shot, and killed him. They then dumped his body into his car.
2: On April 9th, 1979, the Bridleys and Meekins were driving around town when they spotted 76-year-old Mary Gowan leaving her daughter's home where she had been babysitting, and they followed her home. There, they shoved her into a stairwell.
1: The men robbed her, raped her, then shot her in the head and left her for dead. Amazingly, she managed to crawl up two flights of stairs where she was discovered by her 14-year-old granddaughter. But she fell into a coma and died on July second, having never regained consciousness.
2: What, like ninety over ninety days later? Yeah. So on uh, July fourth, nineteen seventy nine, it was like they were waiting. <laughs> For, for her to die, her they to die so they could start up again. so could start again? <laughs> yeah, weird. Um, that yeah, is, that weird. is weird. 17-year-old Christopher Phillips was spotted by Linwood looking into the windows of his car. Linwood confronted him and the gang then rushed him, pushing him into a neighbor's empty yard. Christopher protested and fought back and yelled for help. The gang shoved him to the ground and Linwood picked up a cinder block and bashed it over Phillips's head, crushing his skull and killing him instantly.
1: A man wrote a letter about an incident that he was involved with in August of 1979 and sent it to Lee Loftlin, a law enforcement officer in the Richmond area who wrote about the case in his blog, The Graveyard Shift. The man who wrote the letter is referred to anonymously as K.W., K.W. wrote to Laughlin that in 1979, he had a bad drug and alcohol habit. He was working at a glue factory in Richmond, and his best friend was a man who spent time in juvie with one or more of the Briley Brothers.
2: Uh, We can't corroborate any of it. I did find it in a book that we used to source this story. Let Let me get the name of the book. Oh, the book is called The Briley Brothers... The True Story of the Slaying Brothers, True Crime by Evil Killers, Volume 8 by uh, Dwayne Walker and Jack Rosewood. And in the book is when they describe this letter uh, that um, was written to Lee Laughlin. Okay. Um, So we weren't able to find the story anywhere else, but this is what he wrote per the book. In August of 1979, K.W. went to an apartment that was occupied by five adults and one child. K.W.'s best best friend's girlfriend was a drug dealer, and K.W. was promised drugs, including marijuana and alcohol, to come along. As he approached the back door, he saw the Briley brothers, who had disguised their faces with white tape to resemble that of Native American
1: war paint. Linwood was carrying a 12-gauge shotgun. One of the others, James Anthony Meekins, had two 38 revolvers pointed at his face and chest. Linwood pointed the gun at the back of K.W.'s head. K.W. assured them that he wasn't going to act a fool. They wanted him to get them into the apartment. KW told them he would do whatever they wanted, but warned them that there was a little kid in the house. Linwood pistol whipped KW in the back of the head and said, fuck
2: that kid. Uh, Every time I hear fuck that, I think of when Michael Jordan said, fuck them kids when they were like, Michael Jordan, aren't you going to do anything to like help support the African American kids in uh, your community and he was like fuck them kids. Oh god. Uh, so he Linwood said fuck that kid. The group entered the home and ordered everyone on the ground. Linwood held the child with one hand and with the other held the 12 gauge shotgun pointed at the kid's chest. They found the drugs, robbed everyone of their cash and were gone in 60 seconds. It wasn't until a couple months later when KW um, saw photos in the newspapers that he realized that it had been the Briley brothers.
1: Yeah, so that was in August of 1979. And on September 14th, 1979, the gang was on the prowl looking for somebody to rob. They were in Linwood's car. And after driving around for a while, they decided to stake out a nightclub and restaurant called The Log Cabin. They parked and waited for someone to come outside that they could rob.
2: Can you um, imagine just going out to a nice dinner and then, like, I don't know. It's just yeah. it's just crazy it's how randomly yeah. they chose these victims. Like, yeah, good God, no one's safe. Rona's out here. People are <laughs> snagging people up in restaurants. What are we going to do? Uh, John Gallagher, also known as Johnny G, was a well-known and popular country music DJ for radio station WXGI. His tag phrase was, johnny g from tennessee and on the weekends he played bass in a band and his band happened to be playing the log cabin that night um he stepped outside for fresh air and he was confronted by linwood brandishing a gun
1: the gang forced him into the trunk of his own car then linwood and meekins got into the car and took off jb and anthony followed behind in linwood's car they drove a few miles away to an abandoned paper mill They then told Gallagher to get out of the trunk, and when he did, Linwood shot him in the head. They then dragged his body and dumped it into a nearby river. The gang drove Johnny's car around all night until it ran out of gas, and they made away with $6 in cash, a CB radio, and some jewelry, one of which was a distinctive turquoise ring. Another CB radio. Another CB radio, and stay tuned. The ring makes an appearance later in the story
2: foreshadowing 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 uh so back at the log cabin that was that um bar his bandmates were perplexed as to why johnny had never returned to his gig and his car was gone something which was totally unlike him johnny's car was found the next day and police suspected foul play the car was processed and a single fingerprint was found gallagher's body was found several days later by some fishermen
1: On September 30th, 1979, 62-year-old private nurse Mary Wilfong was followed home to her Richmond apartment. The gang surrounded her just outside the door and Linwood beat her with a baseball bat, crushing her skull. They then went into her apartment and took anything they could find of value. Worst nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
2: So on October 5th, I have a lot of bad nightmares. This is just one of them. (laughs) That's one of the worst, yeah. On October 5th, 1979, just two blocks from the Briley home on 4th Avenue in Richmond, 79-year-old Blanche Page and her 59-year-old boarder, uh, Charles Garner, were both brutally murdered by the gang members. Blanche was blind and partially paralyzed and was bludgeoned to death while she lay helpless in her
1: bed. Charles was assaulted with a variety of weapons, including a baseball bat, five knives, a pair of scissors and a carving fork. He was found lying face down with the stabbing implements still protruding from his back. Oh. Some had been driven in so deeply that they had gone all the way through his body and stuck into the floor below him. Oh my Police God. said that the crime scene was just a total bloodbath. Oh, my
2: God. Like the carnage. You know what I yeah. mean?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, just craziness. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Netflix. Still no movie. I mean, Jason wasn't even real. These guys are real.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
2: anyway, uh Halloween 2021. <laughs> uh the, the Riley brothers. Um so uh, now we're going to get into the investigation and the, uh, the arrest. So police had no sense of a common killer. The crime struck blacks, whites, men, women, people of all ages, poor and well-off alike. They occurred in different parts of the city as well as outside the city in Henrico County. The killers used guns, knives, and blunt objects to murder their victims.
1: The Briley brothers killed to eliminate witnesses to the robberies they committed but they also seemed to really enjoy their work. They murdered with such versatility that the police initially did not see a pattern and had not linked the murders. But rumors around the neighborhood put them on the trail of the Briley brothers for at least some of the crimes, and they decided to put the brothers under surveillance. The police tailed them for a couple of weeks, but didn't catch them doing anything.
2: Yeah, it was like they had like a murder um, like menu, and they were like, okay— Tonight's order, we're going to we're going to order beating with a baseball bat. Okay, next for my next course, we're going to like cinder block. um, it, it it's really weird. Yeah, it is really weird. On the morning of October 19th, 1979, James Briley was in court as one of the conditions of his parole. There he told a Richmond judge that he had no plans of getting back into trouble early that evening Shirley Engelhart then a Henrico police investigator was alone in a surveillance van and heard JB and Linwood arguing outside their house whether about whether police were inside the van
1: watching them jb didn't think so but linwood did the brothers walked up to the green chevrolet van looked through the tinted windows and started shaking the vehicle
2: Mm. jb
1: fired a gun into the air and into the ground in their yard if police were inside the van jb told linwood they would have stormed out after the gunshots that settled the argument and they got in their car and drove away Still under surveillance that evening, the Briley's drove to Barton Avenue and parked. Officers then lost sight of the gang.
2: Wow. I. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I'm just going to move on to the next part of the story. The Wilkerson family lived on Barton Avenue. Harvey Wilkerson had a criminal history that included drug charges for which he had done 12 months in prison and armed robbery. Uh, He was a fence, quote unquote, someone who received and sold stolen goods. And he knew the Briley brothers.
1: Wilkerson lived with his 23-year-old wife, Judy Barton, who was five months pregnant at the time, and their five-year-old son Harvey Jr. When Harvey saw the Briley brothers coming, he locked his door. This action was noticed by the gang, who then walked over to the Wilkerson's front door and knocked. Apparently terrified by their response, if he refused them entry, Wilkerson allowed them in.
2: Um, I was just wondering. Um, I don't remember when nine one one was implemented in the U.S. I think it was Uh, in
1: the 80s.
2: Yeah. So it's not like they could have called
1: the police. You know, I think there's a couple of things that were going on with this. One is probably no 911, but you could call the operator and ask for the police. So, I mean, he could have called the police, but um, he was also doing illegal activity. So he was probably reluctant To call the police and probably had no idea that these guys were going to come in here and do all this. I mean, he obviously he knew them, was a little, little wary of them because he locked his door. But, um, you know, maybe he thought they would beat him up. He probably had no idea what was going to happen.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, uh, none of us did until
1: Fruit Loops told the story. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
2: Other people have told the story. <laughs> um, there's, books so, yeah, there's books about it and stuff. Yeah, there's books about it and stuff. um Both adults in the home were overpowered, bound and gagged with duct tape. Linwood Briley then pushed Judy Barton into the kitchen where she was raped within hearing distance of her husband and child. Duncan Meekins continued the sexual assault, after which Linwood dragged Barton back into the living room, briefly rummaged the premises of the valuables and then left the house.
1: JB told Meekins, you've got to get one, at which point Meekins took a pistol, covered Harvey Wilkerson's head with a pillow and fatally shot him in the head. JB then shot and killed Judy Barton and little five-year-old Harvey Jr., the three gang members then covered their victims with sheets and left the house. So that's interesting because they knew them, right? So right. Um, and I think this is the only the only ones they covered with sheets, right? And usually, when they when killers cover up bodies, it's because they're ashamed.
2: My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast "Who Killed." I began the show focusing on the unsolved
1: murder of Amy Maholovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a
0: deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer
3: podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today
0: wherever you get your favorite shows.
2: Right. Um, Another thing about these people is that this whole family was black. Um, The Wilkerson's, um, the wife, the child, they were black. Right. Right. And also Linwood left. Right. So the ringleader was gone. Right. uh, So police in the surveillance unit heard the gunshots, but didn't know where they came from. They did see the gang members running down the street, getting into the car and driving away. Police were unaware of what crime had been committed, so they did not detain the Brileys.
1: Two or three days later, and this is another one where I kept reading different accounts, so two or three days later, authorities discovered the three bodies after someone had gone to the home and notified police that something was wrong. Wilkerson had pet snakes and the Briley gang had let them out before they left. The uh, family also had a couple of Doberman Pinscher puppies who tracked blood all over the crime scene and animal control officers had to clear out the house so that investigators could work the scene.
2: Police were on the lookout for the Briley brothers, but didn't know where they were. Because of previous surveillance, they knew that Linwood often picked up his father from work. So they staked out the place where James Sr. worked. Sure enough, Linwood picked James Sr. up that night.
1: Police began following the car. Inside was Linwood, James Sr., and Meekins, The pursuit was odd to the police because they'd radio that the suspects were turning right and the vehicle would do the opposite and go left as if they were psychic. <laughs> Finally, the police following the car got sick of the game and pushed the vehicle into a telephone pole. And that's when police found a police scanner in the vehicle. So they weren't psychic after all. (laughs) No.
2: Good. Open, shut case, officer.
1: (laughs) And then uh, JB and Anthony were caught later that same day.
2: Upon arriving at the police station, the first thing Detective Leroy Morgan noticed when he looked at Linwood Briley was a turquoise ring on the killer's finger. (gasps) He recognized the ring as belonging to Johnny Gallagher, who had been a
1: close friend of Morgan's.
2: In fact, Morgan was with him when he bought it.
1: Wow. Mm. Linwood and JB were cold and undeterred by the threat of the electric chair. When told that they could get the death penalty, Linwood said that if it came to that, quote, he would take it like a man. mm None
2: of the brothers cracked, but Meekins, the 16-year-old, did. He told investigators all about the violence that year, linking the Brileys to crimes that the investigators didn't
1: even know about. Meekins also told authorities something else JB did. Before police had found the bodies on Barton Avenue, JB decided he needed a better TV. So (laughs) he went back to the house on Barton, stepped past the bodies, and carried off the family's TV. Did you know one out of six couples struggle with
2: infertility, including old Whitey and me? Seriously, that is a staggering statistic that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. We need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our
1: futures. Good data and information about our bodies is crucial when it comes to our body autonomies, especially in the year of our Lord 2022. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's why modern fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you the same
2: info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash fruit, you can get $20 off your test.
1: Also, and this is really cool, Mm. if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility.
2: Wow! Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, if you want kids today or in the future, never or are undecided. It's important to
1: have clinically sound information about your body, which can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That's modernfertility.com fruit. Oh my! guy, that JB. God,
2: wow! So, um, <laughs> now we're gonna get into the trial, which I don't believe that there was one. I couldn't piece it together.
1: Yeah, there was, but uh, because this episode was so long, it's not that interesting. We just oh, okay, kind of okay. Uh, shortened it a bit.
2: Okay, so now we're gonna get into the trial. Basically, all four were charged in the Wilkerson, Garner, and Page murders, and all four were found guilty. Surprise, surprise. James and Linwood were sentenced to death. Youngest brother, Anthony Ray Riley, was spared the electric chair because authorities had no evidence that he personally killed anyone. He received a sentence of life in prison with eligibility for parole, and Meekins also received a life sentence as well with eligibility for parole. So now we're going to get into where are they now?
1: JB and Linwood were incarcerated in the Mecklenburg Correctional Center, a prison thought to be state-of-the-art and escape-proof. The (sighs) brothers became like gang leaders in the prison. Then they planned an escape. They tracked prison guards' schedules, fashioned weapons, and hatched a sophisticated plan.
2: Uh, On the day of the escape, on May 31st, 1984, they tricked a guard into opening the door to the control room. They rushed in and unlocked the doors to the cells on death row. Armed with homemade knives, several prisoners who were in on the plan gathered the guards together
1: and tied them up. The escapees, six in all, then disguised themselves with riot gear and had one of the guards call in that there was a live bomb that they needed to get off of the grounds. A van was called around. The escapees brought out a stretcher with a TV on it covered with a blanket.
2: <laughs> um, I was going to say one little part of the story that um, points to sort of how ruthless these guys are is that Linwood and J.B., Saw a female, like nurse or female guard in the prison. It was a nurse, yeah. And they were like, "Let's go rape her." And then one of the death row inmates who was in on the plan was like, "No, you guys, like, what (laughs) is wrong with with you? That is not part of the plan." The plan. (laughs) Um, So yeah, they were all like death row inmates, but um, obviously, at least one of them had um, uh, some redeeming. (laughs) I don't know if you can call it <laughs> redeeming qualities, but that, w- yeah, that woman—the ability life, to stick yeah, with the plan—yeah, there you go. That's what it, that's what we'll call it. Call it that. Slap it on a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> one of them had a fire extinguisher that he used to spray the covered TV, either to make it look like it was smoking or to appear as though they were trying to keep the bomb from going off. They loaded the stretcher into the van, got in, and a guard opened the sally port and let them drive through the gates.
1: It was soon discovered what had happened and fear gripped the area after the escape of six killers from the Mecklenburg Correctional Center in the largest breakout from death row in U.S. history. Richmonders locked their doors and windows. Fewer people were out in the streets and black men started wearing t-shirts saying, I am not a Briley brother.
2: <laughs> wow. Oh my God. <laughs> you you had to get it on a t-shirt just yeah, to keep from being I can only imagine how
1: terrifying that would be for black men.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. You're that's coming from the white lady. You guys <laughs> um, <laughs> um. Wow. The brothers were finally captured in Philadelphia on June 19th. They were hiding in plain sight at an auto repair shop. Their uncle, who lived in Philly, had introduced them to the owner as Lucky and Slim and were apparently working and living there. They surrendered without incident. And Linwood later said, well, we had a good time for 19 days.
1: linwood was executed in the electric chair at the state penitentiary in richmond in october that year there was a crowd outside of the jail and when officials announced that linwood was dead half of them cheered
2: yeah i was like only half of them but i mean there's also people right who who are protesting the death penalty yeah yeah
1: and And then other people who don't who don't cheer when somebody dies yeah
2: yeah, good point. OG of true crime comes through every time. <laughs> uh if if we were like a real radio show, that's what you're you know how um the guy was uh something genie from Tennessee, you'd be yeah, like, Yeah, Johnny G from Tennessee. Yeah. OG of true crime coming through every time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, JB, remember him, met Evangeline Briley, uh, and the two were married while he was on death row just weeks before his execution on March 28th, 1985. Briley's father was present for the ceremony. James met the same fate as his brother Linwood uh, on the next month, on April 18th that year, and the inmates started a riot that day to try to delay his execution, but it did not work.
1: Yeah. Apparently, Linwood had a son who was about 10 years old when Linwood was executed. And up until then, he visited Linwood and prison. And it's my understanding that he was not told that uh, Linwood was going to be executed until the day of his execution. Yeah, he also wasn't told about his father's crimes. right. So. Right. So little Linwood his name was Norman Ampy He fell into a life of crime, drug use, and prison as well, and he died in 2015.
2: Meekins, the star witness who testified against the Briley brothers, was credited with helping prosecutors get the death penalty for Linwood and James Briley. The prosecutors promised that they would speak on Meekins' behalf when he became eligible for parole, and they did. But as far as we can tell, Meekins has been denied parole every time he's been up for it, as has Anthony. So... Um, Now we're going to get into uh, what we believe made these guys snap and our takeaways. So uh, this is an odd case to me because they had a pretty normal childhood. Um, It is... Give me a pause when I heard that their dad padlocked himself into the bedroom at night. He must have known that his sons were capable of something awful. Um, Again, owning snakes and creepy crawlies isn't weird for little boys. Um, And again, uh, finding pleasure in watching um, predators eat is... Wendy has confessed that it's something I enjoy on my IG (laughs) Explorer page, though I've never killed anybody. But Lord and behold, Linwood did do something very awful at age 16. And then James ended up in the system as well due to his criminal activity. They committed rape, murder, robbery. And I think that had they not been caught they would have kept going. Oh, yeah, for sure. Terrifying. And I've heard and wondered myself if if the three or four of them would have endeavored on the same crime spree individually or if they all needed each other. And I think Linwood and James... Definitely. Legitimately had no empathy. They were intelligence. They had no fear, no regard. And I I think I'm using this word right. Tell me, OG, a true crime. Psychopaths, not sociopaths. Yeah. um I, I found the definition. Yeah.
1: So basically, to me, psychopaths and sociopaths are the same thing. But um, some people argue that they're different things, but they all fall on, under the umbrella of antisocial personality disorder, which mm-hmm. is a spectrum, just like uh, a lot of other things like uh autism or you know it or sexuality yeah yeah so it's a spectrum so some are worse than others and psychopath is not actually in the uh, dsm but a lot of people consider it like the apex like uh, at the top is a psychopath okay of antisocial personality disorder if somebody's a psychopath they have antisocial personality disorder
2: oh and um s- sexuality is not a personality disorder i just oh no
1: no sexuality is not i'm just saying like yeah i'm just agreeing with the spectrum part. sorry autism is not a personality disorder either but it's just an example of something that can be on a spectrum where on one end it's very high on the other end it's very low
2: Yes, um, and my understanding. Thank you for breaking it down, OG of Two Crime. Come <laughs> through every time. Um, is that uh, psychopaths are um, more manipulative and charming, and sociopaths are more erratic and prone to rage, and can't lead normal lives, whereas psychopaths can that was what the internet told me and i'm just gonna (laughs) run with it roll with it um yeah so I, i think based on those things that murder was always in the cards for the two older brothers for jb and linwood but for the younger ones anthony and duncan duncan especially they were just younger and uh impressionable and sort of went along to get along because they Duncan especially was so young and Anthony just wanted to be included with his brothers Mm -hmm. um also I think we've seen I don't think we've seen a murderous family of three before there was Clementine Barnabet. Who we covered in episode four or five two years ago, who allegedly killed with her human gang of five, remember? Um, right. With her family members. But that's it. So this is another Fruit Loops first.
1: Yeah, yeah. I agree. This is a weird one. Uh, for several reasons, like you mentioned, they did not have horrible home lives, as far as we can tell. Mm-hmm. And it's rare for siblings, let alone three siblings, to go on murderous sprees. Mm-hmm. And they use all different kinds of weapons. They didn't seem to have a particular M.O. or signature. Some of the crimes are sexual, but others weren't. Um, And I agree. I think Linwood was legitimately a psychopath and a sadist. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And his father was right for being concerned about his influence over the other boys. And uh, now I'm going to go into speculation. Okay. So this is just my speculation, but Linwood has been described as charming with a certain magnetism. And growing Mm -hmm. up with someone like that as a kid, you don't know any different. And I think he led the others into doing things that they wouldn't have done on their own. And, uh, Uh, Maybe it started out small and it just kept going. And Mm. after he went to juvie, uh, maybe JB wanted to do something to impress him, uh, Mm. which is why he robbed a convenience store and shot the police officer. Um, I I just think about, um, I've mentioned my brother before and how I think he has antisocial personality disorder. Yeah, And he, he, growing up with him was interesting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, to be a fly on the wall.
1: <laughs> a lot of the story, like my brother, as far as I know, uh, didn't go on killing sprees. But a lot of the things that Linwood did um, were pretty familiar to me. Like when he shot the lady, um, my brother shot a neighbor with a BB gun from his <gasps> window. It, the exact same mm-hmm. thing, except for it was a BB gun instead of uh, 22.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. And... He would do things like he would, um, like, goad you into doing things and call you a pussy if you didn't do it, you know. And oh. I'm a girl, yeah. so, you know, it's a little bit different. If you're a boy, yeah. um, another boy uh, goading uh-huh. you into doing things yeah, um, or just trying to impress your brother, it's got to be different uh, for yeah. a boy. Yeah, yeah, maybe
2: even uh, you know, borderline impossible to say no.
1: Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. Yeah, a toxic and
2: masculinity there.
1: Yes, and and he would shame me into doing things that I didn't want to do, and nothing as bad as this, but yeah. like, um, he talked me into stealing things, you know, oh, little things no, like that. Not Beth. Not my Beth. Just and I, I felt terrible. Oh, man. If I had been around. <laughs>
2: Come, come at me, bro. Nobody's nobody's getting past me and my girl. Back.
1: Nobody. So I, I kind of uh, I don't know. I I kind of related to this story in a weird way. Um, uh huh. Yeah. Just just growing up with somebody like that, and uh-huh. I didn't. I did not even realize that there was something weird about him until I was in my twenties, and I don't think I fully realized how much influence he had on me until you know. I was in my forties, um, Wow! thinking back, uh, yeah. my self-esteem, you know, lots of other things. So anyway,
2: wow. Whoa. <laughs> Beth, thank you for trusting us with your truth. And yeah, sure. thank you for giving us your takeaways and telling us what you thought. Yeah. To- this was, this is a safe space. Everybody.
1: yeah yeah well we don't hope forget so. that yeah <laughs> so um, anyway um i th- i think that um jb got hardened in prison and mm-hmm. i don't know if he was a psychopath to begin with but he probably was by the time he got out and like Ooh. you said anthony and duncan meekins were enamored with the older boys and and went along with with it. whatever they were doing they wanted to be part of the group they wanted to be cool you know and, yeah Yeah.
2: And um, to take it back to the beginning of the story, we talked about how they were in um, a pretty, um, by design, um, segregated neighborhood. Right. um, And it was working class, um, uh, working um, poor. And just when you're in those kinds of situations or neighborhoods, the prevailing thought is if I'm going to get out of here and not work my ass off, I either well, nowadays I either have to be a ball player, a rapper or a dope boy or a dope boy. Right. And um, their brothers were essentially dope boys. Right. So drug drug dealers and, um, you know, muscle and um, got all these rewards for doing bad things. And if, you know, on the flip side, Work nine to five, sun up to sundown, like my parents, or live the good life. So, yeah. Um, anyway.
1: And I think after a while, you just get hardened to it, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, to yeah. these uh horrible, violent scenes. Um, I don't know how how active Anthony and Duncan were, I, I think they were goaded into doing some of these things, like um, uh, rape of the pregnant lady. Um, mm-hmm. Duncan Meekins participated in that, but I'm pretty sure that Linwin goaded him into doing it, and I know JB told him he needed to kill Harvey, like, you need to do something Uh to to be a part of the group, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, now we are going to get into how not to get murdered. So, If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences. Sometimes we have no suggestion for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips what do you got beth well let's just revisit some old standbys because Great. this one was a crazy story with lots yeah. of things that happened so yeah let's just hit some of the our, uh, our
2: menu of how not to get yes, murdered
1: our greatest hits <laughs> yeah <laughs> so be aware of your surroundings head on a swivel yes get off your phone but keep your phone handy to call for help Mm-hmm. lock the door behind you no matter where you are, the car, your house, the bathroom stall. Make it a habit yeah. yeah, to immediately lock the door behind you. Don't be afraid to be rude or to cause a scene if you feel like you're in trouble. Scream. (laughs) If you're mistaken, oh, well. (laughs) They'll just think you're crazy and post it on Instagram. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah. Park in well-lighted areas close to where you're going. Carry a whistle or personal alarm. And finally, always trust your gut.
2: You know why they're on The Greatest Hits? Because they're fire. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're going to get into the shout out portion of our show where we sat on any content by people of color, about people of color, any true crime goodies. So um, I May Destroy You on Amazon Prime, created by the gorgeous and talented Michael Cole uh about the rape and the lead of the lead character and her piecing of the details of the night together while trying to keep her emerging career and life from falling apart also uh true crime goodie is unfinished have you heard of it i haven't this is one i haven't heard of unfinished deep south and uh It's not one you can binge because they release new episodes every week. And I think I just listened to episode three and I can't wait for the next one (laughs) about a wealthy African-American farmer and veteran named Isidore Banks who was lynched in Arkansas and it's very well produced, very well researched interviews, all the things.
1: It's great. Well, I have to put that on my list for sure. Yeah. It's really good. So this is a true crime goodie. I have not been able to listen to or watch very much uh, serious things. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. Uh, yeah, I've been keeping it light with a lot of comedy and stuff. So yeah. my that's what this one is. It's a, it is a true crime podcast called uh, Hollywood Crime Scene with Rachel Fisher and Desi Jedekin. Um, they discuss true tales of crime and scandal involving celebrities, uh, but they're very entertaining, funny, and a little bit dirty.
2: <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to add that one to my list. Subscribing yeah. now. Uh, so
1: where can the people find us, Beth? Our website is FruitLoopsPod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at FruitLoopsPod. Pod and links to our sources will be in our footnotes if you want to support the show you can send us a donation on the cash app just google fruit loops pod cash app or you can become a monthly patron through our podbean patron page this will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting there's no minimum and no commitment even a dollar would help And as always, we have merch for sale on our website.
2: That's right. All right. Listen close, everybody. This is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, guys. It's crazy out there.